Hevel. Hevel. That's what I say. Everything is Hevel. Everything is utterly meaningless. What do people gain from their toil and their labor under the sun? The sun rises and the sun sets. And then it quickly goes back to where it rises again. The wind blows to the north, the wind blows to the south. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never filled. The place from where they come, they return again. All this is wearisome. It's more than the eye can see. It's more than the ear can hear. What's been done has been done before, and it will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Can anyone truly say, look, there's something new? <laughs> it was already done long before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. I applied my mind to study and to gain wisdom on all that is done under the sun. And the conclusion I came to is that it is a great burden that God has placed upon mankind. I've seen all the things that man has done under the sun, and it's all meaningless. It's all vapor, smoke, chasing after the wind. So then I said to myself, let's go for it. I will live for pleasure. I will indulge in everything my heart desires. I will hold nothing back. I will say no to not anything. I, oh, I did... <laughs> I did great things. I built houses. I planted vineyards. I designed parks and streams. I planted uh, groves of trees and built pools to irrigate those groves of trees. I acquired large herds and flocks, more than anyone ever before me. I gained piled up silver and gold and looted kings and kingdoms. I even gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song. Oh, how I prospered. More than anyone, I left them all in the dust. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I sucked the morrow of pleasure out of every one of my tasks or my reward for my hard day's work. And then I looked. And when I looked, I saw that it was nothing but smoke, a chasing after the wind, a vapor, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. So I hated life for all of the toil and all of the labor. And I hated the things that I had acquired because I knew that I would just leave them for someone else. What's to be gained by all of our labor under the sun? I say there's nothing but pain 
and grief. Even at night, my mind can find no rest. Hevel, hevel, everything is hevel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Unending love, amazing grace. Over the past... 13 weeks, we've taken a very realistic view of life under the sun. And it's been good for us to recognize our mortality and realize the futility of life under the sun. But today, I would like to invite us to turn the page from the weariness of heaven to the thrill of hope. The songwriter wrote these words, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You see, the one thing that the writer of Ecclesiastes didn't have quite right, they didn't have the whole picture yet, was when he said there's nothing new under the sun. Because Isaiah the prophet said, I'm going to do a new thing in your day. It's going to be a thing that if you didn't know about it, you wouldn't even recognize it. God is up to something good in our day, in our age, because of John chapter 1, 
the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a time to invite us to not only turn the page from the weariness of heaven to the thrill of hope, but also to turn the page from life under the sun to life in the sun. I'm going to review just a few of the words that Pastor Kevin has taught us. How many of you before 13 weeks ago had never heard the herb word hevel? <laughs> I hadn't either. And I, I probably shouldn't tell this on the staff, but one of the going through the halls, one of the most common sayings around our halls nowadays has been, oh, what the hevel? <laughs> it's all right because preacher uses it. <laughs> But I want us to just review for just a little bit this morning of what Hevel looks like. Some of the words that Kevin has been teaching us about the futility of this life. First of all, vapor, meaningless, unpredictable, unknowable, unmanageable, ungovernable, toilsome, cursed, grievous, fatalistic, and terminal. Can I get anybody to sign up for that today? Yet that's where we were born. It was into that environment that we have found ourselves trapped and imprisoned. But today I want us to turn the page because that's not God's full intention or final intention for us in this life or in the life to come. So Isaiah said, I will do a new thing in your day. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Not to just put him to the side, not to manage him, but to destroy the works of the devil. He's doing a new thing in our day. Jesus didn't come into our world just to improve our life or to mitigate our misery. The kingdom of God is not about sin management or misery management. It's about radical transformation from a prison of darkness and hevel under the sun to a kingdom of light in the sun. And that's what Advent and Christmas is all about. And I'm excited about us entering into this season of hope, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For the meat of the message today, what I want to do is take those same descriptors of Hevel, and I want us to contrast it with scriptures that are found in the New Testament that talk to us about our life in the sun. Now, I don't have all of the texts on the slides, or I don't have any of the texts, if you need to get those, uh, email me at phild at and I'll get you all the scriptures because we're going to go through a ton of them today. There's enough support from scripture for us to know that we don't have to live in an old man's rubble. <laughs> we don't have to live in that prison any longer. So let's start, shall we? Vapor. Under the sun is vapor. It's something you grasp for and it's not there. In the New Testament, under the new covenant, living in the sun, we have substance and we have reality. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, now faith is, not faith will be. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 9 uh, the writer says, we have this hope firm and secure as an anchor for the soul. Does that sound like vapor to you? Something you're grasping for? God's word is an anchor 
for our soul. The hope that we have because of Advent, because of John chapter 1, him coming into our heaven, him coming into our world, that gives us an anchor to tie to when the storms of life give way. He then is all my hope and stay on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Church, it's time for us to quit wimping into the shadows it's time for us to stand as the church of Jesus Christ. We are people of substance. Under the sun, we found the word meaningless, but in the, in the sun, we have a purpose. We read in, in uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have a purpose to display God's goodness, his praises, we're to live them out in broad daylight to everyone around us. We have a purpose. Under the sun, it's unpredictable. We know life is unpredictable. We don't know if any of us will be here tomorrow. We don't know what day our time comes. It's all unpredictable. But I kind of like to look at it as an adventure. I don't have any scriptures for this. I've just got the whole entire entirety of scripture, and I'd say there's nothing boring about living for Jesus. Ask Paul, ask Silas, ask any of the New Testament believers, ask Caleb and Joshua from the Old Testament. Was it a dull, boring, unpredictable life? No, it was a life of adventure because they were following after Jesus. That's what I want. I want a life of adventure. Under the sun is unknowable. And this is a little bit tricky because I know there's a lot of mystery to the Word of God and to the plan of God, to the purposes of God. I don't understand why some people get sick and die before their time. It pains me when I see it happen, especially to children and youngsters. Yes, there are a lot of mysteries about life that we will never understand, but in the sun, that's under the sun. I understand that. But in the sun, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And I think we need to kind of uh, uh, remind ourselves of that. In the scripture, it says, uh, Romans 12, verse two, 1 and 2, don't be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 13 through 16, this is Phil's paraphrase. It goes something like this. God's God, we're not. Uh, live with it. But it goes on to say, we have the mind of Christ. Does that make a difference? Does that make a difference? Yes, there's mystery that shrouds all of the gospel. There, is, there are things that we do not know, but we know what we need to have for today. Just like God provided daily manna for his people in the, in the wilderness, he provides daily insight that we need to walk a victorious Christian life. No, I don't have all the answers, but I believe that I have the mind of Christ. And the more I saturate myself with this and with worship in the spirit, the more my mind will be conformed to his image instead of the image of hell and all of the stuff around us. Life under the sun is unmanageable. But in the sun, we have spiritual authority. This will raise a few eyebrows what I'm, where I'm going next, but I want you to listen. Hear me out. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus' last words to his disciples, he said, all authority on heaven and earth, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so now you 
go. We kind of stop there. The all authority has been given to Jesus. Yeah, King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. Guess what? He left. And you know what he did? He commissioned us. He deputized us with the same authority with which he operated in this sphere of heaven. We have been given the same authority to act as agents of the kingdom of God. Now, is that exciting or what? This is not an unmanageable life. This is a life that God has given us purpose and authority to carry out his plan. Ungovernable under the sun, but in the sun we have spiritual, we have spiritual warfare to take, uh, to take on. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse, 1, or verse 12 it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. He talks about putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and carrying about the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He has given us a mission to do warfare. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to read this because I don't want to mess it up. And, and you tell me if this sounds like a bunch of shrinking back Christians that just hope they can get to heaven. Listen, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's some internal warfare that has to take place. We have to take captive our mind and make it obedient to Christ. There's also an external component that we demolish strongholds. Have we been doing that? I'm asking myself that question. I, I'm going to be very vulnerable here. I, I lead the pastoral care ministry here at Third, and sometimes it can get discouraged with this deep incline that we're seeing of pastoral, of pastoral care needs, and my heart breaks for the, the, the needs that I see all around us, all of the hevel that is around us. It's everywhere. And I've begun to ask myself the question, have I resorted and have I settled for the guy who just comforts people until they get to heaven? Or can I take my mission seriously to do warfare in the spirit? There's a difference. God has called us not to just settle for life as it is, case sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. He has called us to do battle against the forces of darkness. And I, for one, am going to enlist in the warfare that's going on. It's not neat. It's not clean. Uh, but I can tell you this. It's an adventure. <laughs> Did that word come up earlier? Spiritual warfare. Jesus said, and I mentioned this earlier, he didn't come uh, to quiet down the devil. He didn't come uh, to give us some tools to deal with the devil. No, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And there's a lot of the works of the devil going on in Pella, Iowa that need some destroying. Am I preaching the truth? Let's just not hide in the corner and wait till Jesus comes. Let's begin to take it on. Life under the sun is toilsome. How many times did you read that in the book of Ecclesiastes? It's toilsome. 
Life in the Son is abundant. John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Abundant life. Life under the sun is cursed. <laughs> I love the verse of, I think it's the third verse of joy to the world, the Lord has come. And I actually started singing this one time when I was in a bean field when I was about 10 years old pulling weeds out of the beans. Dad was leading this whole clan of ten ki nine kids up and down the bean rows and pulling out cuckleburrs and smart weeds and jimson weeds and all of that stuff. And, and in the middle of summer, the verse, this verse came to my mind and I started singing it in the bean field. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. <laughs> The best thing that could happen to me was for that day of thorns and weeds to be over. But then it goes on to say, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Friends, wherever the curse has found its way into our culture, it's everywhere. But he's come to destroy the works of the devil, and to bring blessing wherever the curse has landed. I want to be a part of that. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We aren't cursed. We are blessed people. The next slide. Under the sun, life is grievous. In the sun, life is liberating. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set at liberty those who are held captive in sin, and to preach the year of the Lord's favor. And it says in John chapter 8, He whom the Son sets free is... Free. Free. You can do better than that. He whom the Son sets free is... Free. Amen. Amen. Can we live as liberated children of God taking on the enemy wherever we go. Let's enlist. I want to be one of them. Life under the sun is fatalistic. Like we mentioned earlier, whatever will be, will be. By the way, this is going on the radio. I'm going to tell it anyway. Do you hear best, best Calvinist joke? You know what a Calvinist says when he falls down the steps? Glad I got that over with. <laughs> I'm not trying to destroy Calvinism, but I am here to say that we are not in a fatalistic life. We have been given power over the uh, powers of darkness, and we need to start living not in fatalism, but with faith-filled following after Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I love the story of the Canaanite woman who, when she came to Jesus for healing for her daughter, Jesus said something really strange. He said, we don't give the king's food to the dogs. She was a Samaritan. That probably hurt just a little bit. We don't give the king's food to the dogs. And then her reply, she said, oh, yeah, but even the dogs lick the crumbs off the floor at the master's table. She was a scrappy, faith-filled woman. We need some more scrappy, faith-filled people in our churches today who don't settle for second best, but who go for the gold, who go for the blessing, just like Jacob went after the blessing of God and wrestled him until he received it. 
I want to encourage us as a church to go for that. You might say, Phil, you're starting to sound like a faith preacher. I hope so. <laughs> Would you rather I was a doubt preacher? I'd like to say this morning that it's impossible to have too much faith. Now, we may place our faith in the wrong things, granted. If your faith is after Cadillacs and houses and lands and the th stuff that's going to burn up, you got a rude awakening coming. But if your faith is for the eternal blessing of God and for the eternal life of God to be lived out in you, people, I'm, a fa I'm the loudest faith preacher you're going to hear today because we are not living under the sun. We are living in the sun. And the last one, this is my favorite. Life under the sun is terminal. How many times did, were we reminded during this series, we're going to die? Even a video out at the cemetery reminded us very clearly we're going to die. And Kevin has taught us well to embrace that fact so that we can live life to the full and so that we can flourish in love. But life under the sun is terminal. Every one of us have a date with the undertaker. <laughs> but life in the sun is grave busting. I had a, that didn't excite anybody. I don't know. I, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me try it a little different. I, I had a good friend that came in the office here uh, two or three years ago, and, and she was having a tough time. She was battling some bad relationships, and she was upset, and she came in, and and she says, I'm so mad at this guy. And what she meant to say was, I could blow a gasket. But instead she said, I'm so mad at this guy, I could blow a casket. <laughs> and I looked at her and I laughed and I said, can I use that? That's the best phrase I've heard all week. And a couple weeks later, I had the honor of officiating for a funeral for a, for a friend of mine. His name was J.B. Steenhook. I don't know how many of you remember J.B. Uh, he, Greg, you remember J.B. He was your good buddy. He was this um, strong, strong man with huge hands, and he was a grave digger for a living. He, did, he dug graves all of his life. And I did some calculation that uh, if, you, if, you filled all, if you filled up all the graves he dug in dump trucks, it would have lined up from here all the way to Charlie Russ's corner. <laughs> That's how many graves he dug, and a lot of them by hand. And on the, at his memorial service, I had a very simple message. It was called Lessons from a Grave Digger. The first lesson from a grave digger is your work is never done. The Bible talks about the voracious appetite of the grave. But the second point of the message, as a grave digger, your work will never last. Because one of these days, the Bible says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. One of these days, we're going to bust a grave. <laughs> we're going to blow a casket. Bless God. Today, I want to leave you with three simple action steps. I want us to confirm our status in Christ. Are you in Christ? 
Are you under the sun? Are you living your life for the here and the now? Are you living your life without hope? I want you to accept the invitation of the man who walked into our hevel, into our jail cell, and says, come, follow me. It's as simple as that. It's you accepting his invitation to you to follow him. I don't want there to be anyone in this room today that leaves without that opportunity. As the praise team comes and gets ready to lead us in worship, they're going to sing a song about freedom. And during that song, I just encourage you to confirm your status in Christ. And secondly, I want us to, over the next few weeks, discover again our identity in Christ. Dig out an old concordance if you have to, or, or do a Google search on the words in Christ. It will blow your mind when you get a hold of what your reality is and what your identity is in Christ. And then the third thing, after we've confirmed our status, discovered our identity, I want us to begin to recover what's been lost. To take back what the enemy has stolen from us personally, collectively, and over all the world, that we will begin to take back the territory that we have ceded because we've been lethargic in following after Christ with our whole heart. One last thing. As we recover what's lost, some of us, when we... And this was kind of the, what happened, I think, with the faith movement. When we discovered who we are in Christ, we walked around like we were really something. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now you get your act together, buddy, like I do. That's not what our identity in Christ is about. That's not reco what recovering the lost is about. It's more like this. It's us breaking bread, sharing life in someone else's heaven, just like Jesus did for us.